0: Hi, everybody. I'm Drake, and I'm an alcoholic. It's really nice to be here. Thank you, Brian, for asking me. Just six inches in front of you. Okay, that's good. Everyone can hear me. All right. I have a sobriety date. It's May fourth of two thousand eleven. Um, I have a home group, which is the San Diego Speakers Meeting. It's Tuesdays at seven thirty in North Park. All are welcome. Um, I have a sponsor, and I have a service position at my home group. So, you know, if you're new to Alcoholics Anonymous, welcome. Welcome. You've just stumbled into the world's largest organization that no one wants to join. Or at least that's what I was told when I got here. I did not want to be an alcoholic. I did not want to belong in Alcoholics Anonymous. And I spent a lot of time in my early sobriety thinking I did not belong here. Um, even though I showed up to meetings and I felt a little better when I left and I would talk with alcoholics before and after the meetings and that's when I would really start to feel better, um, but I still was in a lot of denial and a lot of dishonesty with myself about how sick I was. And um, it turns out there's a great solution for that. It's called this 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, I got here and I thought I hadn't hurt anybody and it just turned out I hadn't done a fourth step, you know. I just, I just had no idea what was going on in my life and I had no idea... Um, how um, absent I had really been, um, that there were a lot of people who loved me and I just wasn't there at all. Um, and today my life looks totally different to me on the inside um, because you know, those same people who love me, my family, some friends who I've been friends with for a while, you know those same people are still there but now I know they love me. And I take actions that show that I love them. And that's the transformation that AA has had in my life. Where before I felt unloved, I felt alone, um, I felt like such a victim. All these horrible things that happened in my life. And that was the reason why I had this great excuse to get completely drunk every night. Um, but it turned out that it just meant I was an alcoholic. There's a pretty easy answer. So, um, ten minutes. You know, I'm just here to tell you a little bit about my experience, Strength and Hope. Um, I have a, you know, one of the miracles, the hope for me um, of AA in my life today is that I have a toddler at home. I have a daughter. Um, I have been sober through her entire childhood so far. I have been sober through my pregnancy with her. And without AA, there's Absolutely no way that would have happened. Um, and she has really taught me about that innate sense of God that's in every man, woman, and child because she is just wakes up and she's full of joy. Um, and the other thing about being a child is that she's completely self centered. And that is her innate immaturity um, in needing to lean on me as her parent, you know, to take care of her, take care of her needs, and guide her through life. And I'm just getting this. This deeper view into my life that I kept that immaturity going, you know, until I was 29 years old when I got the AA. I just expected everybody to take care of me. I wanted the whole world to be about me. I wanted to be the prettiest girl in the room. I wanted to be the smartest person in the room. I always wanted to be right, and I wanted you Everyone here to like me, and when you want all of those things at the same time, it doesn't turn out very well for your relationships and for your behavior with other people. You know, I was pretty insufferable, and I still can be at times. I'm still a human. I am not a saint, um, even after seven years in AA and trying to do the next right thing. Um, but that self centeredness really turned out to be my problem. So I had my first drink when I was 18. I had already been high almost every day for about a year. So I was introduced to other substances first. Um, But when I had that first drink, I walked up to the bar. It was like that plastic handle of vodka. Like, I remember, like, the light glowing through it. It was just like, wow. I was in a place where I could drink how I wanted to, and I could just give it a shot. You know, I took that red Solo cup, and I filled it with vodka about an inch from the top, and I put in a splash of orange juice, and I thought, oh, it's a screwdriver. You know, that was some mixed drink that I had heard of before. You know, And maybe an average um, drinker or even a heavy drinker would have tasted that and been like, whoa, that's, that's too strong. That's not a normal mixed drink. Um, but I held onto that cup basically until I blacked out, which was probably about 30 minutes later. Um, I didn't know what a blackout was until I got to AA, um, which was 11 years after that. Um, i didn 't know that when you lose time and your night is like choppy, like all of a sudden you 're somewhere else you know, and then you 're somewhere else and For me, it was like I had a drink in my hand with a, around a whole bunch of people, and then I was in a bedroom and I was taking some pills that someone gave me, and then I ended up naked in a bathroom and i couldn 't get out of the bathroom because every time I walked through the doorway, I was hitting my head on the doorway like I was literally seeing double um, and i didn 't know that that was a blackout (laughs) I just didn't have a name for that no one had ever admitted to me that they had had that same experience I was just around people who were drinking and looked like they were having fun or they were getting sloppy and they were going home I don't know no one ever shared that inner world that inner experience about alcoholism it was only when I got here that people started sharing honestly about what that was like and what it was like for me was completely humiliating you know just from that very first drink I woke up with that deep shame that we alcoholics have when we find ourselves in the wrong place, in the wrong bedroom, the wrong clothes, the wrong person, you know, and you're just like, how did I get here? I don't even remember how this happened. Um, And that was my first drink. You know, that was 18 years old. So it really kind of went on like that. What happened for me is that I had a really serious depression. I had a mental break, and I ended up getting shuffled to a psychiatrist that I had never seen before. Um, I had never, like, seen a doctor and talked to them honestly about what was going on in my head. And, you know, he tried working with me with a lot of different medications, and I just started pouring alcohol all over all of them, and they didn't work. And finally, you know, I started admitting some of my feelings about drinking and getting a little bit honest about what was going on every night, which for me, I had stopped going to parties at that point. I was really terrified about you know, losing some of my um, professional accolades. I was too scared of getting caught um, getting a DUI or something like that. I think a normal or even a heavy drinker would be like, I'll take a cab I'll take a lift I just won't drink as much that was not my solution to that problem of being scared of getting a DUI my solution was go to the liquor store and then go home just skip the party you know just go home and drink how you want to drink totally alone that makes sense and I did that for years thinking that that was normal Um, and I forgot where I was going with that Um, but but what happened to me is you know that started to get unsustainable. The dark depression just started getting deeper and deeper. It started impacting my work for the first time in my life because again I wanted to look good on the outside, so I kept up the appearances even if I had to cheat, lie, and steal to get there. Um, but I kept up that appearance, and all of a sudden you know that pressure of getting caught was just looming, and it was just getting. Harder and harder and harder to outrun the consequences, you know, and I found it in our book in the, you know, the Alcoholics Anonymous text where it says that like we live a double life. We want to, you know, live under the certain reputation. We want to have a good reputation. We want people to like us, but we know in our hearts that we don't deserve it. And that was one of the first lines in the big book that I read early on that just chilled me to the bone because that was me. I wanted the reputation, but I knew in my heart I didn't deserve it. And so I was a little bit honest with my doctor, and he said, you know, the the people who feel this way, they go to AA. And the next thing he said was, you know, and even more than the not drinking part, it's about dealing with feelings and dealing with life. And, you know, if he had told me people who drink like you drink go to AA, I don't think I would have come. But he said, people who feel the way that you feel go to AA. And eventually, I showed up to AA um, with a lot of help. (laughs) Um, I had a friend with 20 years who just scooped me up and took me to a meeting after I finally had the humility to ask for help. Um, Thank you. Um, And I heard what I needed to hear. And the only reason I went to that first meeting, if this is one of your first meetings and you're feeling freaked out, um, the only reason I went to that first meeting was because she told me I didn't have to talk to anybody. I didn't have to make eye contact. I just had to sit and try and listen and at halftime, you know, they I heard this story, you know, in the first part of the meeting where the speaker talked about self-loathing. And it was like I I could barely contain myself because he was talking exactly about my inner world and how uncomfortable it was just being without alcohol in my own skin. I just couldn't handle it. Um, so we talked about that self-loathing and at that halftime they asked, you know, does anyone have a desire for a new way of life? And kind of outside of myself you know I raised my hand and I got up and I got a 24-hour chip Um, and that was God working through my life that wasn't me I didn't have the courage to get up in front of people and admit that I was miserable and I was suffering and I needed help um, but somehow something worked through my life. So I got a sponsor, I worked the steps, I read through the big book with my sponsor, um, I worked with other women. You know, some of that deep shame that I feel, you know, as a female alcoholic from the things that I did when I was drinking. Um, you know, I did my fifth step with my sponsor and we sat down, poured a cup of coffee, said a prayer, and she said, Okay, let's start with a thing you don't want to tell me. And I just started crying, you know, because there were things I did not want to tell her about my behavior. But we started there, and that was actually an act of love on her part. She was saying, I know you're suffering. Let's get it out, you know, and that's part of the AA process. Once I've worked some of my steps, that I had that caring ear and that love from her. And the miracle of this program is that the first fifth step that I heard, I did the same thing with my sponsee. And I sat down and I said, let's start with that thing you don't want to tell me. And it was the exact same thing that I had told my sponsor. I, I wouldn't have known that about my sponsee, and we had been working together for a couple months. I didn't know these facts about her Amen. life that we had done. Almost the exact same thing. Details that, like, were matching. Um, but that's how God works in my life. Um, that's how AA works. I didn't come here to start to care about people, but through sponsorship, through putting out my hand, through going through the discomfort of, you know, trying to be honest, trying to be vulnerable... All of a sudden, it was like, oh, my God, that loneliness vanished. All of a sudden, I have people I care about, people who care about me. So it is a miracle. I hope you stay. Thanks.